Welcome to Overtired with Brett Terpstra and Christina Warren, where we are two geeks who talk about stuff that keeps us awake at night, why we're tired, and uh, ostensibly nerdy things, but more often than not, pop culture. How are you doing, Brett? I am appropriately tired. I'm tired, too. Um, I'm extremely tired. I'm more tired today than I was yesterday. And yesterday I was coming off of an all-nighter writing about this uh, Apple Music stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What's this Apple Music thing all about? (laughs) Yeah. So it's the thing that's consumed my life for the last um, 72 hours or so. Uh, But no, Apple Music is Apple's long-awaited music service. Uh, It's basically their attempt to take on Spotify and and RDO and the other subscription streaming music services. uh, Basically, it's kind of the heart of Beats Music, but more Apple-fied. So all of your iTunes purchases live alongside, you know, this gigantic library of songs and playlists. Um, and then there's also live radio, which is uh, kind of, um, you know, run by Zane Lowe, who was from the BBC from Radio One. And there are some other DJs on the station, too, as well as some shows that various artists are, are doing um, weekly. And uh, it's all live 24-7. It's uh, it's a pretty cool service, I have to say. Everybody gets a three-month free trial right now. It's on Uh, iOS uh, and Mac and Windows, and it'll be out on Android in the fall. I am really enjoying it. The curated playlist, like uh, the radio's okay. Yeah. I'm not a radio guy. I have very select tastes, and I don't enjoy listening to music that I don't immediately love. Sure. So I like the novel idea of radio. It's kind of romantic, like jump back to like college radio days, but... The the uh the curated playlists they're are so good. They're really well thought out, and if you listen to them in the proper order, they're well organized. And the first one it offered me was uh, the Cure influences, and nice. it, it was like Buzzcocks and Susie Sue and the Sex Pistols, and I was like, yeah, okay, it knows me already. This is good. Yeah, no, that was the thing I was really impressed about was the fact that it immediately got my music taste because it uses both your music purchase history and I guess listening history. And then you go through this setup process where you tap on genres and artists that you like. And the more you tap, the bigger a bubble gets. And that influences stuff more and more. And the more you use the service, um, the better it gets. But yeah, I'm hoping it continues to learn because I didn't want to remove any genres other than like Christian and... Uh, I think I removed country just because country. Um, <laughs> well, because anytime you tell a service you like country, they play. They play new nothing country. but country. Yeah. And I love like old country. Love it. But I don't want to hear anything from like, um, what was the big guy in the 90s? What was his name? Billy Ray Cyrus? No. Um, Tim McGraw. Was, Garth no, Brooks. Be- Garth Brooks. Anything from him forward, I don't really care for. Yeah, not no, that I, I hate Garth Brooks. Don't get no, me wrong. No, he's fine. Um, I mean, although his attempt at doing rock was weird. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> what was his name? My name is Chris Gaines or something like that. Something like that, yeah. That was amazing because he went from having like one of the best-selling albums like of all time. Like his, his double album is like still one of the best-selling records ever. And then he decides to do this experiment where he's totally doing performance art. 
where yeah, he's this Ziggy character. Stardust. Yeah, where he's totally he's playing this this character named Chris Gaines, and he releases this terrible rock album, and everybody's like, oh, we, we don't get it. Well, his current fans wouldn't have cared for it. And no. anybody who actually ever listened to rock and roll wouldn't have cared for it. If he had done it well, it would have been different. Right. I mean, that's like the if thing. you're going to switch from basketball to baseball, you have to be good you've at be, baseball. You've got to be Bo Jackson, basically. Yeah. Or Deion yeah. Sanders. He Deion Sanders was able to do baseball and football at the same time. Sports ball. Bases ball. Bases ball. I don't even know. I mean, that that we've now just heard the extent of, of Christina's sports knowledge. Which already surpassed mine, so... Um, anyway, yeah. and so I only removed those two, but I'm hoping that I don't end up with a lot of, like... Like, I didn't remove experimental or... Mm-hmm. Or uh, what's... They had a category that was, uh, like, Bob Marley, Jamaican... Reggae. Ska, reggae. reggae. Uh, there's not a lot of reggae I love. Like, most of it's, like, white dreadlock, like, modern-day Haight-Ashbury crap. Sure. But... I don't want to lose out this stuff I do like because I removed a category. Right. So I'm hoping that my listening habits and my skips and everything actually influence it. So it makes just as intelligent decisions. Yeah. I mean, that's been, that's been my experience so far anyway, has been like when I opened it up um, and I, I put the Steven in my first look, um, you know, it, it gave me a Taylor Swift love ballad playlist and then albums from The Kinks, <laughs> Sufjan Stevens, Elliot Smith, The Shins, Miguel, and Drake, which are a lot of like, I mean, and I, I, I call it my musical brain. And that's, that's really good to get that many kind of different, you know, kind of recommendations all in the same place. That's something that you don't see, at least I haven't seen on a lot of the other music services. And I've well, used see, almost all of them. Spotify, back when they had apps in the app? yes. Before they cut their first API off and yep. switch to this new API that no one's really picked up on. And that they really kind of don't want people to pick up on. Right. Like stuff like Lazify, I loved. Yes. Like I could just drop a song in and it would just figure out. And, and the last FM based Spotify integrations were that. awesome. I loved that. Yeah, no, I loved their apps. Um, I mean, and, and I've talked to them kind of like, why did you get rid of the app platform? And from what I understand, it just didn't pay the dividends that they expected from it. They never brought it to mobile, which is where they see kind of the future of this stuff. And I guess all that makes sense, but it does, but not if it makes people give up on their service. Exactly. Like, I don't think that they quantified the fact that there are a lot of people like me who use the service, who use Spotify over something like RDO because of the app. Agreed. Agreed. And to me, what, and, I, and I wrote about this at the time, and they'd even said this to me at the time, like Spotify's biggest problem has always been, for me anyway, has been their discovery. I've always kind of described it like, you know, you've got access to the entire world of music, but you're just dropped in with a search box. Which and, previously was my problem with iTunes as well. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but, and, and the problem with that is that, you know, if I know exactly what I want to listen to, Spotify is actually perfect. Because I can pull it up and I can listen to it. And sometimes I can go down the rabbit hole or as we call it, you know, our little K-holes of musical discovery. And that's cool. But the problem is, is that even though they have playlists and even though they have some curated things and they have, you know, like activity driven stuff and they have like things that will show you what's hot on the charts. There's not really a lot in the way of recommendations that are really good. And so I feel like I just wind up listening to the same stuff over and over again. And that's my problem with Pandora. All my Pandora ch- stations end up sounding the same, so I stopped using Pandora. Um, and, and 
in the back in the day, Spotify told me when they introduced the apps, they said, you know, we're kind of hoping to use the apps as a way to fix our discovery problem. And that made sense because that's kind of what those apps were doing is they were kind of stepping in and filling that gap and helping people discover new music. But because they never brought it to mobile and because I guess maybe it didn't get the usage they wanted, it didn't really take off. And so now they're trying to go into being more anticipatory where you open up Spotify on your phone and it senses what time of day it is and tries to recommend a playlist to you. And, you know, that's okay if you're just wanting time-based stuff, although I, I still think Songza does a much better job with that. And I think that rather than buying Tunigo, they should have bought Songza. Google ended up buying Songza and has it integrated into their new Google Music service, which now has a free tier, which is basically just Songza. But... One of the things that I really like about Apple Music is that for you section is that I'm getting great recommendations and I don't have to answer the question, what do I want to listen to? I just open up the app and I can pull down to refresh and get more recommendations. I can go into the new tab and, and, and cycle through some of the different genres and see the albums that the editors from those genres are recommending and I can look at the playlists. Um, and then I also have access to my whole full library of stuff too. So for me where I've, I've, and I've written for years about like the discovery problem with digital music. I feel like Beats music got the closest to anybody to nailing it and Apple music, they've just made it even better. I, I'm going to have to agree because <laughs> I haven't seen anything that so far my experience with Apple music has been like um, revelatory. Like this is, this is what I've been looking for. It's yeah. not, it's not like a, it's kind of Apple's modus operandi to take things that already exist and then make them better and become the de facto standard. Yes. A la the iPod, where it kind of where the current Apple kind of all began. Exactly. There were tons of MP3 players on the market already. But now no one remembers things like whatever Creative Labs had for that blue MP3 player. That, the Rio. Yeah. And that was like hard drive based and it was gigantic it was the Rio jukebox um, or no, excuse me. No, it was the Rio was different. That was that was somebody else. The, the creative labs was the nomad. Sorry. Yes. The nomad. the nomad. We used to pass one around the office when I was an intern and like each day one person could pick from whatever it could hold like maybe like 5000 songs. Yeah. And uh, and we would get to make our own playlist from that little collection. It wasn't a bad device. It wasn't really portable. They ended up coming out with a, a portable Nomad, but that was after the iPod. Um, but yeah, exactly. You know, they, they took uh, the Rio was the diamond product and that came out a couple of years beforehand and you could only store music on memory cards or the very small built in storage. Um, and yeah, you're right. You know, Apple, their modus operandi is to basically take something that other people have done and improve upon it and have a better execution. And um, that's certainly the case, I think, with, with the music product. Um, a lot of it, uh, did you ever use Beats Music? No, actually, I never got around to signing up. Yeah, no, I mean, it, honestly, it wasn't around very long. Um, and I think it, once Apple bought Beats, there wasn't really a reason for people to kind of sign up for it. I think we all knew that they were just going to end up kind of co-opting it and taking it over. Um, and so, um, but the Beats product was always really, really good at curation and really good at recommendations. And, and I picked up on that from the very first time I ever met with those guys at CES in, in 2014. Um, but uh, they've made it even better. And so for like you, it was kind of a revelatory experience for me kind of going through and going, 
wow, you know, this is actually recommending good stuff for me to hear or artists I haven't thought about in a long time or albums I didn't even know were out there. And um, that's been really exciting. So I read something from Trent Reznor yesterday, and this isn't an intentional segue, but it's going to be uh, that he, he was talking about the word curated uh, in, in its use in modern uh, things like playlists and services and how it's come to just mean someone threw this together. Yeah. But he prefers to use it in the sense that it was, you know, carefully designed. And that was kind of the uh, philosophy that he brought to the Beats playlist. And uh, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? I can't remember where this quote was from. I think it was from Rolling Stone. Okay. Um, and yeah, I do. Uh, I agree with that. Um, I also spoke with Trent Reznor. Uh, that, also that, as if I spoke with Trent Reznor? No, Rolling Stone spoke with him in <laughs> okay. lead up to the Apple Music thing. And so did I. I had a chance to do a phone call. Um, about a 30-minute conversation with Eddie Q, uh, Jimmy Iovine, and Trent Reznor. Um, so I talked to Trent Reznor on the phone, and that's kind of awesome. That's totally awesome. That's totally awesome. Um, he was really nice, um, and, and he said some similar things to me that he said to Rolling Stone, but I think the point he made to Rolling Stone, yeah, was about the kind of the, the change in, in that word. And I think he's right. Everybody kind of uses it, but it doesn't always mean that you've handpicked things. The, the, the term I would kind of use, I think, maybe to even separate things for, for to, to make it clear, um, is editorialized. The, the sense I get from Apple Music is that there's very much an editorial point of view. It's opinionated. And that's not something I get the sense of with the other services. They feel like they're all not wanting to take a stance or, or, or make a decision to say this is good versus this is bad. Or, or, or maybe not even saying this is bad, but saying this is what you should be listening to. Whereas the editors they've hired um, and, and started with Trent you know, at, at Beats Music, and, and now it's continued at Apple, you know, they're making like calls and saying, this is the best album. These are the best albums that are available right now. This is what you should be listening to. This is really important. Well, and why else would you, if you're going to listen to someone's playlist, yeah, you want their opinion. You're asking for their opinion. I agree. It would be silly to just like, this is what's at the top of the charts. Right. No, I want to know what you think is the best. Exactly. But that's sort of kind of gotten lost in kind of the algorithmic driven way that radio has become. You know, radio has become really programmatic and, and so have, you know, um, suggestions and things. You know, it's all become kind of algorithm driven. Or um, uh, when I was talking to Jimmy Iovine, he was complaining that radio is, you know, all like research driven and kind of ad buying driven. And right. so and then he's right. So it all ends up sounding the same. And. There is kind of this ubiquity in music kind of happening, but there's all this other music that's out there that's been hard for people to uncover. So I'm glad that they're hiring people who have an editorial point of view, who are having distinct points of view saying, no, actually, this is, you know, what we think um, should be um, what, what we think you should be listening to. I think that's really important. Our college radio station here has like they have live shows for part of the school year. But then the rest of the year, it, there's a they call it DJ three thousand, and it it just pretty much randomly shuffles a huge pile of MP3s, and it's actually better than most of the college stations these days. Which That's is really sad. sad. Yeah, that is, is really sad. That that just like a random playlist ordering can be better, and I think it's because, yeah, I mean people are afraid to kind of make a call, or they're afraid to say this is good. Um, because. I miss- I miss the uh, I miss like being able to hear the sound 
of someone tapping like a cigarette in an ashtray that's already overflowing with cigarette butts as they change the record. Yeah. And tell you why they're playing it as it like as the uh, the intro starts. And then, you know, they finish and they tell you why they loved it. Like, I miss that. It's very romantic to me. It is. So which is why I think it's interesting that, like, I mean, obviously, um, uh, Beats 1 doesn't quite do it for you because you like to like everything you're listening to and it's cross genre. But I'm, I'll be curious to know if you listen to any of the shows that they do as opposed and to I maybe. I think I will. Yeah. Because I, 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 I like that throwback aspect. I mean, like Trent was saying to me, you know, that like. Um, it's cool to be part of something kind of like culturally relevant. And he was talking about, you know, when, um, you know, MTV was kind of in its heyday and um, the impact that Nine Inch Nails being played on MTV had on what bands they were able to open for and what shows they were able to get, like being played at like 1230 at night, you know, on MTV meant that they could open for bigger bands. And when they got played in the afternoon, it meant even bigger acts than that. And um, I think that, that's one of the cool things like the the first band that um Zane Lowe played yesterday it was a song called you know um uh, I think uh City from some some London uh, group um they didn't know they were going to be played <laughs> and you know now all of a sudden everybody's talking about them because they were the first you know song yeah. and, and band being played that's historic um, it is historic it'll be one of those trivia questions and um I like the idea if everybody's kind of listening to the same thing and who knows how long that'll last of having kind of a shared cultural moment again. See, I think, I think there's a place for it. I think, I, do I think bringing it back is a very good idea. I also miss like DJs brought context to what you exactly. were listening to a, a playlist in the right order brings context and you don't, there is music that if I heard it without any context, I wouldn't like it. But once I get the context, once I understand the environment that the music was created in, created for, and what it was a reaction to, and have a little bit of history, or even the word of someone that I trust, I give it a, a closer listen, and I understand it, and then it becomes, you know, part of my, my musical pantheon. And I, I, I feel like what, what they're doing with the radio stations on iTunes could bring that back. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think that's that's certainly I mean, that that's kind of Zane's M.O. is that, you know, that's what he was known for in his BBC show is is offering that context and having really good interviews. And I like I mean, a lot of people have been complaining that they talk over parts of the songs. I like that. Yeah, that's that. Again, that's why I would listen to it. Yeah. Did you um, ask Trent uh, why or how did you ask him what he thinks of Pretty Ape Machine, the 8-bit remake of Pretty Hate Machine? I wish that I had, but I did not. And why it's not on iTunes? I did not. I didn't get a chance to say that. But what was interesting about talking to him, because I asked about kind of the general kind of, you know, economic realities of, of music right now. And so I wanted his perspective. And then also, I guess I wanted all of their perspectives. And it was funny because Jimmy Iovine obviously has his perspective as a label guy. And, and he thinks that, you know, for the streaming thing to make sense financially for, for everybody to get paid, it has to scale. And he's right. But he also thinks the only way it'll actually scale and it, you know, 20 million subscribers, that's not scaling. That's a drop in the bucket is if they have a service and not a utility and if they are offering something of value and i think that's what they're trying to do with the radio stations with the recommendations with the access and the other stuff um eddie q was interesting because he said you know look we're not trying to save the music industry that's not our goal you know we want to create a place where artists are empowered and they can create and we think that'll make great content but we really just want a great user experience um 
which I think is really interesting and also really important for Apple to be like, they're not, you know, I mean, obviously they're a business, but they want the music industry to continue to exist. But it's not like Apple's perspective is going in here saying we want to save everything. Um, yet they are hiring music guys who are running well, stuff. And again, that's Apple's MO is to is to put a very user friendly face on something, provide excellent service and customer support. And then, you know, take over parts of the industry. Exactly. One piece at a time. But what Trent said was really interesting, you know, because he's seen this as an artist and he said, you know, even as a legacy artist, you know, who's had the benefit of kind of seeing or the disadvantage in some ways of seeing kind of the the height of the success and then kind of the fall off. um, You know, he left the label system for a few years. You know, he tried the pay what you want stuff. He tried kind of going direct to fan stuff. He was trying to kind of create these new business models because he had been tired of hearing from people all the time, oh, we've got to get the business model right. And then having to wait between business models and then seeing that artists were never at the table when it came time to time to negotiate things. Um, but he says, you know, ultimately some of the stuff that he tried worked and some of it didn't. Um, but um, at the end of the day, all of it felt like it was just kind of a gimmick. And, and, and that was what he said, or kind of a stunt, I guess. That, that's what he said. It all felt like a stunt. And um, he says, you know, he doesn't regret doing it at the, at the time, um, but he wouldn't go back and do it again. And so I think it's, which I think puts things kind of into perspective. He says, you know, the, the, the monetization things have changed and it's a bitter pill for artists to swallow. But he's like, I'm an artist. There's nothing else I'm going to do. I'm going to create regardless. Um, but it does open up some interesting questions about how are people going to make money? And I think to, to Jimmy Iovine's point, it's like the only way the system kind of recovers from what they're still fighting, you know, from 15 years ago from Napster, which, you know, they've still never really properly responded to is um, if, you know, the subscription sort of thing scales. So I guess my question for you is, are you going to pay for Apple Music after your three, your free trial is up? I'm assuming so. I'm assuming I will cancel Spotify. I, I, I've enjoyed Spotify a lot, but uh, the, uh, the family plan for iTunes is appealing yeah, it's a really uh, good for p- Apple Music, I should say. Yeah, and, and yeah, for for about what I'm paying already, I get as far as I can tell, just as good a song selection, better integration with all of my other players and my iCloud lifestyle. I'm yeah, I I, I plan on it. Yeah, I'm probably I don't know if I'm going to get rid of Spotify. I'm definitely going to continue to pay for Apple Music. I can see that because just the integration with all my purchases and everything is too good for me to pass up. But I don't know. I don't know if I'll be getting rid of Spotify. I think what I'm going to see, though, is like it'll be one of those tests where I'll be like, well, how long until I open up Spotify again? And if it's been a long time, then maybe it'll be like, okay, I've really enjoyed this service, but maybe it's time to let it go. Yeah, I I just can't justify paying for both if they have the same song selection. Um I, I don't know how to scrabble to Last FM from Apple Music yet. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to have a way to do that oh, other I bet than I, the Last I FM. I bet app. I can do it. Um, my uh, I use Simplify on my desktop, which can work with yes iTunes, and it can scrabble. That that should solve that right there. There you go. So did you did you get the uh, the updated Siri comedy selection? Uh, I did not. With the last update to iOS yesterday, yes. Uh, if you ask Siri questions like "What's zero divided by zero? she will go off on a uh, very Sesame Street based response that ends with, "And you're sad because you don't have any friends." <laughs> That's it's amazing. Great. Like she does this. Like if you have zero cookies and you 
and you have zero friends and you break the in like she goes up on this thing and then it ends with and cookie monster sad because he has no cookies and you're sad because you have no friends and they, i mean yes there's probably a very finite number of jokes she has but they have improved her comedic responses i feel like that's a nice touch that's so funny that's yeah. great um one of the funny things I found out while we were doing our video review for Apple Music, so they had Taylor Swift, but they don't have Ace of Base, which is one of the weird, like one of the the weird like holdouts I found from Apple Music. Because I asked um, Siri to play the number one song from 1994, and that was the sign from Ace of Base, and they're like, "Sorry, the song isn't available for streaming." It is on Spotify, however. So yeah, I, but I feel like that's actually a service. I, I don't disagree. Like they're, they're doing it's for the public good. It is for the public good. No, but I just thought that was kind of funny because I, I that Siri like I found out that that, that stuff wasn't there. <laughs> the question is, do they have the A-teens? Ooh. Because I don't know how 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 long I could go without my ABBA covers. Seriously, seriously. Well, and and because we're, we're all we are talking about kind of all of them like uh, inspired by ABBA. See, that should be a playlist <laughs> that, that Apple that Music does. <laughs> The most vapid playlist in history. It would be great. That would be, yeah, it would be terrible, but it'd be great. Yeah, they do. The 18s um, nice. are uh, are an Apple Music. Voulez-vous by the 18s. The eight, by the ABBA, but covered by the 18s was, it's just great. <laughs> it's great for dancing in your underwear on the couch when your wife goes out of town. There's also S Club 7, which was another uh, one of those things. One of those things. Yeah. I don't know. Nice. So, should we move on to some pop culture? We should. See any good movies lately? Uh, no, but I'm going to be seeing Magic Mike XXL uh, fairly soon. I'm looking forward to that. Be warned that he does not take his shirt off for the first hour of the movie. Ah. Uh. Right? So why is the hashtag come again? Because. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, there, I assume there is some semi nudity after the first hour mark. I hope so. I mean, I saw the breakdown on the time did of the number of like shirt scenes and crotch scenes and other stuff. And, and it was a lot less than the first film, which is disappointing because when I hear XXL, I typically think more, but I don't know. Or just bigger Trojans. But, um, <laughs> I, uh, I can't remember. Oh, the dance scenes look way more uh, intense and choreographed. Totally. I enjoy. I enjoy dance. I. 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 I honestly, I haven't seen Pitch Perfect too because I enjoy those too. Yeah. I'm waiting for that to be rentable. But all of the Step Up movies. I love them. I. I watched that. Like I loved the first two. Yeah, the first two were great. Then there was a bad one. The mm-hmm. last one was. It was bad. Yeah. Now they've gotten bad, but I still watch them because totally. No, I was gonna between say, my wife and I, we love it. I was going to say, Channing Tatum, I was going to say, like, his Step Up cred. Like, uh, I love the Step Up movies. Like, the first two, anyway. Like, they're great. Yeah. I also like Bring It On. Oh, of course. The first one. Second, well, I didn't mind the second one, actually. I never saw the second one. I, I, if it didn't not come good. out in theaters, then I was like, I'm not even there. Yeah, but that first one was just... So good. It was awesome. I, I mean, the, dan- the the cheer sequence, like, at the end, it's, like, mm-hmm. it's so good. I'll admit, I watched it because it had cheerleaders on the cover, and I thought it was something else, but <laughs> it turned out to be really good. Kind of, that's how Clueless was for me, too. Not, I didn't watch it because of cheerleaders, but 
uh, like I, I watched it because I thought it would be uh, something stupid that I could make fun of and ended up really liking the movie. Yeah, no, it's a great movie. Uh, I'm going to see Amy Heckerling. Um, so a woman wrote a book called uh, The Oral History of Clueless, and it comes out next week. And she, the author of the book, and Amy Heckerling, who wrote who uh, you know wrote the script and directed Clueless, will be at Strand's Bookstore in New York City. And so by pre-ordering the book, you get like a ticket to see them um, you know, for an hour or whatever. And so I'm going with my friend Allie um, of the Pismo Beach disaster relief uh, party fame. And um, I cannot wait. That should make up for... Uh, an hour of of Magic Mike with his shirt on. Yeah, it totally does. It totally <laughs> does. Um, and plus, I'll be getting the book, which I'm really excited about. I also pre-ordered the book on the Kindle because I probably won't want to read. Like, I'm not going to read a physical book, but I, I will go and get the book and get an autograph. I'm just I'm going to read the the digital copy. You know. I have almost finished a real book now. I think I really? told you I was reading uh, a dirty job. Yes. Um, I always forget the author's name. But I looked it up so that I would remember. Oh, yeah. Christopher Moore. And the book is so good. I actually read in the middle of the day now. Of course, part of that's because I went off my ADD meds and I have no focus hmm. right now. But, uh, but yeah, the dirty, I'm, I'm reading and I'm really liking it. Like, I'm totally, like, enthralled with the story. And I haven't been that way for, like, a decade. It's fun. And reading I like it fun. on paperback. I'm actually, I'm reading more because it's paper than i normally do with an iBook. That's interesting. Yeah, i use my Kindle all the time, my Kindle Paperwhite. Yeah. Well, and i I've, I've been thinking that maybe the Kindle would be closer to the paper book than my iPad is yes. and i might use it more. Because it's like distraction free. Yeah, and it's not as heavy. It's not as heavy and it's distraction free. I mean, there is a web browser, but it's so terrible. You like never want to use it. Yeah, I wouldn't buy a Kindle for the purpose of surfing the web. Oh, no, you definitely don't want to. I'm just saying, like, it, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, this is pretty terrible. But, um, yeah. So, have you seen anything good lately? I just watched um, Wild Tales. Okay, what's it that was, about? Uh, it's a foreign language film. Uh, it's, I think, Argentina, um, so Spanish. But uh, it, it, the tagline is... Uh, six t- six tales of apopoly- apocalyptic revenge and that's exactly what it is there it's six short stories about people exacting just horrible revenges on each other but the last story it changes the entire set of movies like the mood it ends in this mood that you're just like that was absolutely perfect and i won't give it away but it's uh, I if I well, see, that's another thing that's new for me is I haven't been able to sit through a subtitled movie for almost a decade. But this was I was engrossed and I almost forgot I was reading subtitles, which is the way I used to be. And so maybe I think I'm reverting back to I might be watching black and white French art films again soon. That would be cool. I I don't know. Like I've come to rather loathe people that really enjoy those because they tend to after if you enjoy those after the age of 25 you're either an academic or like a film student or you're pretentious Uh, yeah i mean but i think you can enjoy them you can still be like a lifelong student of film and enjoy them you're not pretentious you're only pretentious if you only talk about them when people are talking about films and you only bring that up (laughs) i suppose that's you like it quietly and privately 
See, I'm still the guy that anytime someone says 12 Monkeys, I automatically want to talk about La Jetée, which was like the art <laughs> film that 12 Monkeys was based on. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's all still photos. It's all like black and white still photos with the, the like an overdubbed voice, except it's in, if I recall, it's in French and then there's subtitles. But then there's just one photo in the movie that's actually a film shot and the, the girl blinks. And that's the only reason, you know, it's not a still photo. Uh, it's it, but it's this it's the basic story of 12 monkeys. It's, it was good. La Jete means the airport. Oh, interesting. Or the plane or something jet related. I don't speak French. I don't either. I mean, I took French in high school, but only one year of it. And I don't really remember much. I did not. My yeah. friend Heidi is in France right now. Really? Yep. Actually, I should go there. We're trying to plan a vacation right now. I signed up for Airbnb just to look at <laughs> cities. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do. Like, I feel like we should do something probably overseas, but I also don't like, I don't know if I could sit through a 10 hour plus plane ride. You couldn't just like take like cough medicine or something and zonk yourself? I, I don't know. I haven't done well with that in the past. I can't even stay asleep to a like trip to San Francisco from here. I end up just going absolutely crazy, especially in coach. Yeah, that is flying internationally in coach can kind of be a, a, a bitch. If you fly Air France, they at least give you free alcohol with your meal. There you go. Except I quit drinking. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's been like three weeks now since I've had any alcohol. And this is an experiment because I've done it before, but not in the last five years. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. I guess it's because I started having a bad physical reaction to alcohol, which kind of prompted me to not drink it. Sure. But I decided to just go completely on the wagon. It's been interesting. I think that's also part of why I'm reading again. Because <laughs> you're like, I'm not drunk, so I can do this. <laughs> or, or I need to think about something other than how much I would love to have a scotch this evening. <laughs> Like I get like I get this reaction now where my all my neck muscles tense up and my head get I get horrible headaches and it's just it becomes uncomfortable to do anything sitting standing moving living breathing so I yeah it's not really an option anyway so <laughs> so uh, spy left my theater oh, before no. I got to see it it left like it was here for a week. I was gonna say that's like wasn't out that long. That's no, great. I'm I'm upset. So I'm hoping it shows up at the discount theater in Wisconsin across the river from me. Uh, we have this place called the Rivoli, and they get movies just like as soon as they're completely out of the theater circuit, they get the movie and you can go see it for like three bucks. And they serve pizza and beer and candy to your seat where you have tables and it's fun. I like that. I hope it shows up there. Yeah, I like that too. I'm excited about American Ultra. I don't yeah. know if I should be. Should I be? No, I think you should be. It looks like <laughs> it looks like it'll be a good movie. I like Kristen Stewart. I yeah, I think I like the idea of a stoner Jason Bourne. That just very much appeals to me. Totally. Who doesn't like the idea of a stoner Jason Bourne? Every time the preview is they've been showing the same preview. There's no like extended trailer that I've found yet, but when Jesse Eisenberg deflects the bullet with the frying pan and it it ricochets back into the shooter's neck, that right there when he says, ah, the old pot and bullet trick or something like that, it's 
perfect because it's the exact kind of thing Jason Bourne would never have said. <laughs> I loved I loved the Bourne movies. Yeah, I me really too. do. I'm just I'm I'm thrilled by the idea of taking that in a different direction. Yeah, why not? I yeah, no, I, I, it it looks good. And what, what I don't am I allowed to be attracted to Kristen Stewart even if I absolutely want nothing to do with like Twilight? Absolutely, because at this point she's like, I mean, look, she kind of hates herself for being in the Twilight films. Does she? Yeah. She always was on the red carpet when she had to promote that movie, and, like, you, she hated it. Like, she was, like, sullen and, like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, she's like, yeah, my boyfriend and I met on the set of this movie, but who cares? Shut up, fame is weird. I just want to do my weird indie stuff. Leave me alone. Why are you following me? Like, she clearly was, like, not feeling it at all. Which I kind of made her, good. loved her for, more for it. Like, I think that had she known that, like, I mean, on the one hand, it gave her access to a lot of films maybe she wouldn't have had the opportunity to, to read for. But on the other hand, I mean, I think she feels like she was at the risk of becoming typecast and pigeonholed um, as, that, as that girl. Well, she kind of is now. Uh, kind of. But no, I mean, I, I, it would be really hard for somebody to cast her as like an ingenue love interest. She's kind of like the weird girl. You I know? did like her in The Runaways. Yeah, she was good in that. And um, she uh, was good in um, uh, uh, Welcome to the Rileys. Um, and she's. I haven't she's, seen most of the stuff in her early career. I she guess. was really, really good in Panic Room, and then there was this movie called. That was her in Panic Room. Yeah, she was. She was. It, yeah. Wow. And okay. she, it was this movie called The Safety of Objects that I that I really liked. Um, that yeah, was I saw that. Yeah, she was in that. What was she like? Twelve in two thousand two. Yeah. Good God. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, she was, but she was really, really good in, in Panic Room. I mean, she's a good actress, and, you know, she considers Jodie Foster to be kind of her mentor, and um, shit, what a great mentor to have. Yes. Yes. I agree. She's done some bad, Jodie Foster's done some odd things recently. Yes. But, uh, she has, but I mean, you know, I mean, well, she has, uh, she directed, she's directed a couple of episodes of Orange is the New Black. Oh, I'm I'm enjoying t- season three of that. Same, same. Um, I mean, when once you're done with it, we'll have more to talk. It was kind of a weird transitional season. Did you finish the whole season already? I did, I did. Mm. But it's uh, but it's it's good. I mean, it's it's still one of my favorite shows. I um, like that they've embraced that at least fifty percent of their audience really just watches it because lesbian sex in prison. Yeah, totally, totally. Which is why the first couple of episodes were it's just the hate <laughs> sex between uh, uh Piper and uh, um Alex, and we're all yes. like, yep, this is why we're here. Yes. I've just gotten through the point where, uh, well, I shouldn't spoil. This is probably a lot of people haven't finished the season yet. Yeah. Yeah, I won't spoil it. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. I feel like, how, okay, so the the first season was based on Piper's written. Parts of it, yes. Right. So at this point in season three, I know Piper is still involved in direction and production. Yes. But how much of it is still like based on reality at all Oh, almost none of it and frankly by the time the first season took place almost none of it because in real life she married larry and she is married to larry and her ex-girlfriend that would have ruined the story yeah and her and her (laughs) ex-girlfriend was never in prison with her and her ex-girlfriend was like super butch so totally different anyway and Um, probably never on that 70s show never never um and not not super hot in glasses um, well, maybe she was. She I don't know. I haven't seen it. She's super hot in glasses. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, they, uh, I think the pilot was probably the closest thing 
to the maybe the the, the real scenario, but um, it diverged a lot. And then it, I think she based like the the Yoga Jones character was based off of someone from the book, but it was just kind of like a an entry point, a starting off point, I think, for these characters. She's a consultant on the show because she does a lot of work and outreach with you know prison now. But yeah, I mean, you know, um, it, it it started shifting away from her real life fairly quickly. Yeah, I, I I guess that there are a few shows. Well, I mean, okay, I didn't read Game of Thrones like the books. Are we beyond the books yet? Uh, yes and no, because the books are actually going to outlive the series. So we're now at the point where like things have happened in the books that um you know are now catching up with them on the show. Um, and then there's some things that might happen on the show that are different from the books. It's like they're kind of existing in two shared but slightly different universes from what i understand that's basically what 2001 space odyssey was yeah because because clark what was the book that um clark wrote with uh kubrick oh um i'm looking it up i was gonna say look this up because it bothered me i read it and it it made a lot of things make sense the sentinel was it the Actually, I think it was called Space Odyssey. Yeah, he wrote a novel called 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, but he... No, okay, maybe you're right. Because there was one he co-wrote with Kubrick. And then they split it off to be a book and a movie. So it probably probably became 2001 Space Odyssey. I could be entirely wrong here. But I remember reading the original kind of manuscript, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then... Well, it was after I'd seen the movie... And some things made more sense, and some things like diverged tremendously. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like if they yeah, do they, that they, with Game of Thrones, could be a little weird. Yeah, I mean George R. R. Martin is involved, and in, in obviously the TV show, and you know he's writing the books. But the show is going to end before his final, before the you know before the books end, because he's taking forever to write the books. So it's it is going to be kind of an interesting thing where the show has to conclude and has to have its arc while his. You know, the novel series is, is still ongoing. It just seems weird. And something that's so heavily part of like mainstream culture to actually have two versions of a storyline running. Yeah. I mean, some of it shares things and some of it doesn't. But I mean, I think that what's interesting to me, though, is how much, um, you know, like you there, there are plenty of people who are fans of, of just the TV show and don't read the books. But almost everybody who's a fan of the book also loves the TV show, which you don't see all the time you know like a right. lot of times people get upset with the adaptations but this is one of those things where they're they're they're, they're not yeah so when i'm not watching orange i've been flipping over to uh schitt's creek i've heard about this but i haven't seen this yet <laughs> it's it's eugene and what's his dan or the levies yeah and it is after you get three episodes in it's hilarious. It's just, it's great. Like it, the first episode, you're like, these are horrible people. It's kind of like watching uh, Arrested Development. Okay. Where you're just like, these are horrible people, and you're not immediately grabbed by the characters until you start developing the relationships. And I'm not going to compare Shit's Creek to uh, Arrested, but I am. I'm like, I think I'm on episode five of the first season now, and I find myself laughing all the way through i really enjoy eugene levy's sense of humor 
It's very dry and it is very dry. I, I like Jewish, his, his, but yeah, I like. His sense I don't mean of humor. that in a bad way. No, I mean it's very kind of you know. I mean there's like a there's like a Woody Allenness to it. Yes, a self-deprecating kind of. Yeah, it's funny though. You should check it out. I definitely will, and I like the name. <laughs> it's the the name of the town is Shit's Creek, and there's a very very early on in the series they find that the the sign. The now entering Schitt's Creek sign is a picture of like a 1900s gentleman with a woman in a creek bent over in her like hoop dress, <laughs> not you know, post hoop dress, but and he's behind her holding her by the waist and they're fully clothed, but it's clearly not a normal position. And there's an entire episode about where the, the origin of the town name and the sign and how they fix it. It's very good. Get through that and then you'll love this series. Okay. I will. I, I, I will definitely check this out. I guess the only other movie I've seen recently was King, The Kingsman. Kingsman? What's the name of the... I don't remember the full name of the movie. Secret Service something? Yeah. That was a lot better than I thought it would be. I thought I was getting into like a Disney Spy Kids kind of situation. And it wasn't at all. It was... Kingsman, the Secret Service. Yeah, it, it was it was funny. It was great action. There was just enough gore to make it not a kid's movie, but still a sense of humor. That was, I suppose there was a lot of humor in it that was very much not. It was very much in like PG-13 slash R kind of it's it's an R movie, but you know what I'm saying? Totally. It was good. It was good. I liked it. I saw Jaws last week, as promised. <laughs> Are you going to explain to me why you, why you care still? Yes. Well, and it was funny because Grant had never seen it or hadn't seen it all the way through, and he loved it. And in fact, it was so popular, we originally thought we were going to have to go to New Jersey to see it. Uh, but fortunately, a 945 showing in, um, in the city in Chelsea opened up. Um, and it was full. It was packed. Um, and, and that was even with, um, uh, like, select your own seating or, and whatnot. Um, no, I general mean, general admission. No, 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 it's one of those things where you have to preserve seating. Sorry, that's what it's called. Oh. Preserve seating, where you reserve where you're sitting, like when you place your movie ticket order. Gotcha. And uh, no, I mean, it was it was funny, too, because it started like right on time. And so some people were coming into the movie theater late and whatnot. But it was one of those things where, you know, it was like a Wednesday night at 945 and, you know, a packed theater for a 40 year old movie. Um, was it an interactive audience where people like clapping and booing and. Um, it wasn't totally interactive. I mean, everybody cheered at the end, but like and clapped at the beginning. And people obviously, you know, when there's some scare moments, we're doing stuff. But it was um, a much more uh, respectful audience than when I saw the birds. When I saw the birds, uh, people were like laughing openly like at it. And that really bothered me. Yeah, I don't I don't go to see like a MST3K kind of thing. Same. But I enjoy a movie where people are there when you're watching something like Criterion Collection movies. Yes. I like it when people are there because they are huge fans of the movie. And you can all kind of like when people applaud for like names that come up in the opening credits. Yeah. I know I'm going to like where I am. Exactly. Like not, I don't like that for new movies. No. But if I'm going to go back to a theater to watch Agreed. a 20 year old movie. I love that. I love that community. The Oak Street Cinema in Minneapolis was always like that for me. Yeah. And no. the suburban theater. <laughs> no, but I mean, but this this was this was uh one of those audiences it was really good and uh no i mean the movie holds up so well 
so I'm not well. denying it's a great movie. I just don't, I guess, I guess I still, it's not a movie I would, I would go back to the theater to experience again. It's the ultimate summer movie. I mean, maybe I've forgotten. It's the ultimate summer movie. I mean, it's one of those movies where, you know, it came out, you know, 40 years ago and um, the weekend that, you know, the whole events took place was like 4th of July weekend. So it's like we're at the 40th anniversary, like right now as we're recording this. And it revolutionized so many things in cinema. Like it made wide release a thing. Like The Godfather had played around with it a little bit, but they'd actually originally planned on opening it in more theaters than than they did originally. And then they held back uh, a few hundred because they wanted it to play all summer. Um, and not realizing that if they could have had it open everywhere and, and, and people still would have flocked to the cinema to see it. Uh, but it also, before Jaws came out, people considered the summer like the dead zone like movies was like a fall and winter thing <laughs> so, so it's christmas releases yeah so genuinely <laughs> jaws created the whole summer blockbuster thing like on its own like movies didn't come out in the summer until jaws did and then because they figured nobody wants to to, to everybody's going to go outside nobody wants to come in and go to the movies and huh. so um you know the tagline was so perfect you know um stay out of the water uh, and, <laughs> Go to the theater instead. Right, stay out of the water instead. Right, but the thing is, there was like all these like you know shark attack shark reports after the movie came out. Some of them real, some of them not. My parents saw it in Florida, and then the beach where they were near where they were at, like there was like a shark sighting. There was like some sort of attack or something. Somebody died. Nobody died, uh, fortunately, but there was some sort of you know shark sort of thing. Like right after they saw the movie, and everybody was freaked the hell out. Well, it's. I imagine that's partly because it was suddenly uh, like media sensation newsworthy headline. Yes. Yeah, Prior true. to that, it was something that happened at beaches. And all of a sudden now it was something everyone could be scared of. Right. Like right. pit bulls. Uh, totally. <laughs> but, but what's amazing about it is that, you know, the, the special effects, you know, was almost all it was, you know, these animatronic sharks. And yeah. because there were problems um, in the making of the film where, you know, the Bruce was not cooperating um, you don't see the shark that much. You know, you have the underwater footage, but it's just kind of this always off camera looming figure. And so because of that, because there aren't a ton of shots of it, like, A, it looks really good, I think, because it was animatronic. And, and, and when when you see it eating Quint, like, that's maybe one of the only scenes where it kind of looks a little fakish 40 years later, but it still looks really good. Um, and I honestly don't know if, if they would be able to make anything that had a more real look now i mean they'd have better animatronics obviously but 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 i still think that having a real thing eating the guy the actor looks better than having um cgi do it um but just kind of having you know that that kind of looming figure and has seen it coming out of the water like the fact that 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 happened i think the fact that they were having issues and you don't see it a ton really work for the film because it it does have this huge element of suspense i mean watching it with grant it was really fun because we were both kind of grabbing each other at at certain scares and certain moments and you realize it's kind of this horror film with an action film with kind of noirish elements and it's funny you know um um just it's 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 it, it, it's it's a funny movie um, in a lot of ways. Like there, there's just some really great deadpan humor, and I don't know. I I love Jaws. It, it's one of those movies that just makes me happy. Um, you, you've made me want to go watch it again. In fact, I'm going to start a podcast called "We're Going to Need a Bigger Podcast." <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. No, I mean it was it, Richard Drivers. You know, he's hilarious in it. His character 
is really, really funny. You know, Hooper is really, he's like maybe cinema's first like real smart ass. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, and, and that line, which was ad-libbed, we're going to need a bigger boat. That was that was actually an ad-libbed line. Yeah. And, and one of the changes they made with the pacing was when they showed the, the screenings is that there was like a scare that imme- immediately happened after that. And, and, and so that line got kind of like muffled, apparently. So they recut it so that, you know, that line could really sink in. When that happened, everybody in the audience did, did cheer. Everybody clapped. Nice. Which I think is, is only fair. Yes, definitely. So. We thought we weren't going to make it an hour because there was nothing happening this week. We thought. And, and sure enough, get the two of us together and we can talk for an hour. That's crazy. Do you have any uh, any new stuff on the app front? Anything new coming to Marked or any of your other projects? Um, everything is in progress, but nothing has changed since the last time we talked. I mean, I shouldn't say nothing has changed. Nothing is any... Everything's closer to release, but nothing new is out. Gotcha. It's getting there. Everything's getting there. I have a, a freelance job that's been uh, challenging. Ah. And taken more time than i thought it would but i've learned a lot doing it so can you talk about what the job is at all well it's it's a it's a small web app for a private company cool not private but yeah nothing nothing terribly interesting but something that i I dove into thinking i'm gonna learn a whole new framework to do a freelance job and kind of got in over my head for a while there but (laughs) i figured it out did you read uh, Brent Simmons's um, article on on um, the uh, on love and kind of like the the realities of trying to kind of like make a living doing what you love with with um, iOS apps? I have it bookmarked. You should read it. I would love to get your thoughts on it. Um, no pun intended. We can talk about it next week, but it's it's a really good article. Sounds good. I but will I would, do that. But I would love to kind of get your feedback uh, from your perspective as a as a maker and creator and and kind of indie guy. And a fan of Brent Simmons. Yeah. Sure. Who who isn't a fan of Brent Simmons? You'd have to be a weirdo. You would have to be a weirdo because he's just the best. What about you? Anything big coming up? <sighs> a long weekend where I get to sleep. Um, I mean, I interviewed Eddie Q and Jimmy Iovine and, and Trent Reznor. So, I'm so not, you're done. I'm Life's done, over now. Basically. I mean, you've that, succeeded. I have. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I've, in, in the span of a month, I talked to Tim Cook and, and Trent Reznor. I, I kind of don't know what I'm going to do with my life now. Yeah. If I'm being totally honest. Take a long weekend. That's what you're going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to go see Amy Heckerling um, and, and the author of uh, that, that Clueless um, book, which I'm super excited. That whole so, Clueless thing. So excited. Awesome. Your, your birthday is the, is the 20th anniversary. We're going to have a party. My birthday? Like July 19th? Yeah, July 19th. Oh. That might be the only party I have. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, I, don't, I, I would be upset if anyone threw me like an actual birthday party here in town. I'll just celebrate it on Twitter like I always do. Yeah, we have a Brett Chirpster day. Dude, like- I have been so good at social media this week because I haven't been able to concentrate on much else. Yeah, I saw you had like an Ask Brett thing on Twitter. Oh, that what was, was that supposed about? to be a joke, but then people started replying as a joke and I started replying to replies as a joke and I think it actually turned into a mini AMA. Yeah, I, I was looking at that. I was like, this is really good, actually. <laughs> this is really cool. But all week I've had at least one tweet and one tweet and one Facebook post every day that has surpassed any number of favorites and retweets that I've had in the past. Fantastic. Every day. Every day. It's depressing. And I keep thinking if I can just get 10 more Twitter followers, I will feel accomplished and I can quit social media. But it, it never works out that way. I'll be all right. You'll be okay. So 
Enjoy your long weekend. I will. Where can people find you, Brett? Oh, me? Yeah. I'm TT Scoff on Twitter, and you can get like Facebook.com slash TT Scoff actually goes there, as does everything else. Everything. I'm TT Scoff. And then I'm at BrettTerpstra.com. Or if you don't want to try to type something with three T's in the middle, I'm at Terpstra.net. T E R P S. Nope. T R P S T R A dot net. I never use it. I don't. Oh, wait. Scratch that. You can just go to ttscoff.com. That works. I was going to say, does that work? Do you have ttscoff.com? Of does. course you do. Of course you do. That's all you need. TTscoff. And you? TTscoff. Uh, you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters. Um, my writing is at Mashable. And then I have websites, but they're not updated. <laughs> That's a bad. A web presence, but an excellent social media presence you have. It's true. I need to update my websites. Like, whoa, but whatever. Really, honestly, the idea of like web presence being more important than social media is actually, I think that's changing. It is. I think I think being known on social media is far better for even like businesses than. Oh, it totally is. But I just (laughs) I like my website. I like having that. I need to update it. I just I've, I've been putting it off for years, but I need to do it. All right. Well. Well, I think uh, I think we should both get some sleep. Definitely, we should both get some sleep. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye, Brett. The system is going down low.